guys, man, it's good to be back. There's been a ton of things going on, and I think I'm starting to understand why you really don't find a whole lot of people out there that are giving away information and talking about every step of the way as they build a business. Because, holy shit, guys, there is a lot to do. Uh, and it is nonstop a uh, large laundry list in front of you of things that have to be done. So those have been taking priority. I'm sorry, but I'm looking forward to giving you guys quite a significant update here today. So for most of you uh, that are joining this, uh, probably are prior listeners, but if this is your first time listening, uh, I've started a company called High Caliber Cardi, and me and a few of my friends uh, got it up and operational. Uh, and we also have a second division called Combat Carding. Um, one division is a brick and mortar entertainment facility. It offers indoor go-kart tracks, axe throwing, VIP, arcades, uh, conference rooms, uh, we, we're pocket soccer, which... Uh, it's basically like pool, but you have soccer balls while you're doing it. It's this gigantic board that you're standing on. That So imagine a billiard table that you stand on and kick soccer balls in the corner. Um, and then on top of that, we've got our liquor license with it. So uh, got some fun stories about that stuff along the way. But our other division of our company is Combat Karting LLC, which is where we're developing a experience where you can race go-karts live on a track 50 miles an hour shoot your friends with infrared sensors that can pick up and receive signals of different weapons using shields uh engaging those disengaging those that type of stuff so um that's more of our technological side of the business and really we're trying to bring the two together uh to so that the brick and mortar can be the test bed of the technological side uh and the distribution channel for it anyways uh if you go back to a few podcasts you'll probably hear that stuff but i'm really this whole podcast, the purpose of this is for me to chronicle all the steps that I, I took through the process, the lessons I learned. Um, so make sure you listen back a few episodes and probably before you take action on some of the things I suggest, um, wait a couple weeks, make sure because uh, you might, I'm, gonna, I'm finding out a lot that, you know, a lot of these things of how I think they work, I was actually incorrect on. Um, and you're probably going to hear a lot of that in this podcast because I've got a lot of updates about things of uh, the process of how I thought that they worked. Um, Anyways, if you get something out of this podcast, please just subscribe to it, share it to people. It's the whole purpose we're do that I'm doing this is to try to help out people who really don't know what next step to take in their life. Now, whether that's a step of going and starting your own business or becoming the best at who you can be in every day, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of lessons to be learned in this, and hopefully, you can take that and you can take action to it and uh, improve your life or improve the life of the others or of other people around you. So anyways, uh, I gave them a little bit of an update last time about the separation of you know how we split up the company and everything, but um, one of the things that I had realized as I was doing this was I, I was every day I was coming into the office and I was, guy, I was pointing my guys in the direction that they could go and then walking away, and at the end of the day, they would have their tasks done, and they would always do it better than I could have ever imagined, but the next day, they didn't have an idea of what they needed to do next. So one day I went to the office, it was Sunday night, and I stayed there until like one o'clock in the morning. I took a bunch of those giant note, sticky notepad things, type of things for, that you put up on like an easel at any business meeting. And I just started sectioning out every part of our company. So the way we structured our company is to have a businesses within a business. So we're treating our brick and mortar location. And, and I, I should say, guys, that as I'm talking about this, this is for high caliber Cardians brick and mortar. Um, combat carding does kind of come into that a little bit, but it just for all intents and purposes, while you're, while you're thinking of this and it's in your mind, this is the brick and mortar location. So in our brick and mortar, we've got roughly 80,000 square feet. 
Now we've got arcades, we've got go-karts, we've got the liquor license, uh, or, or, the, or the bar, our kitchen, and every single thing is like its own business inside of this larger business. So we basically see our, our physical facility as a community. So I separated every division of the company onto a separate sheet of paper and then broke out each item of what are the things of importance in there. And then I assigned somebody to those items. So now basically what it was was I... I, I'm blessed. I have a fucking amazing team. Everybody takes the steps forward to try to figure things out. And they, they come to me when they have questions. But, I mean, God, they, they already are so much more, more experienced and impactful in their roles than I could have ever hoped to be, trying to control all 12 levels of our company. So, And when I say 12 levels, I'm talking you know, the kitchen, the bar, the arcade, the go-kart track, each of those being a separate division. So the next morning, the guys come in, and I broke it out and I explained it to them. I need where you're assigned on this. I need you to own it. I need it to be yours. And every week, we're going to have a one-on-one, -on -one, which is going to take an hour to an hour and a half, and we're going to go over where you're at with it, what obstacles, and what we need to do next. And then you can make steps for the next week towards it. And holy shit, did everybody feel better about that. Myself, I'm less stressed because I'm not thinking about all 12 divisions constantly. I can focus on the one and hit the high level stuff. But I've got this fucking amazing team of people who have just th the sharpest minds and just the ability to execute so well that it was stupid of me to not be putting those resources to work. So as we divide and conquer these things, all of a sudden we're starting to realize we're getting a lot done. Now, it does also bring up a lot of like, we need to get this done and we need to move faster with this. And I'm going to talk about some of those things that came up. Um, but ultimately, we're moving quicker to where I will be honest, this week has been a lot slower week for all of us. I could tell all of us kind of got a chance to take a little bit of a, of a breather because honestly, last week was absolute insanity. Now, one of the a great example of this is, you know, we're trying to figure out how we're going to do an advertising, how we're going to go into marketing. Now, we have a lot of people for this company that are from outside of this industry, but are just great people, intelligent people. So, for example, we have uh, Travis Stolicker. Uh, he's he's the, an owner of, Saddle, of this restaurant chain called Saddleback Restaurant, which is a barbecue place. Um, and just he has a fantastic operation. Well, he had decided to go into packaging uh, his barbecue sauces and selling them, uh, selling them as you know, a product at supermarkets, things like that. And he went through and he did a Kickstarter. Well, he and I were talking one day and he said, you know, you really need to do a Kickstarter. Well, guys, we're fully funded. We're closed with the bank. Everything's done with that. But he was saying, this is kind of your entry into the, into the industry. It's kind of announcing that, hey, we're here and this is who we are. So our normal, we contacted our normal film guy and we had found out that uh, he had been hired onto a presidential candidate's campaign and was in New York for the next couple months. Well, we had outlined all the packages that we wanted to offer for the Kickstarter and Honestly, we wanted to launch this. We wanted to get it rolling so that we could have our name out there. So I started asking people for references of you know filming companies. And quite honestly, we needed to go to a whole new level of filming companies. We needed to go to somebody who's professional. So we went from our $200 uh, quit day video to a $5,000 <laughs> Kickstarter video. Um, so when I was going in this, I was trying to understand, you know, what happens when you're filming and the th the biggest thing in, a, in any, in any business venture or anything you're doing with multiple people is you have to get everybody having a clear vision and understanding of what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. So I came home 
I had hired the company on a Friday and we were going to film. I wanted to film on the following Monday, but I knew I needed to put some thought into how this thing was going to work out. So I sat down and I started writing a script and a scene and just kind of, this is how I want everything to line up. Now, honestly, guys, it's, it's us being a bunch of dumbasses. I mean, we had an absolute fucking blast filming this, this Kickstarter, but we had everything clear vision of here's what the scene looks like. Here's who's doing what. This is the timing of it. This is when the, the pace needs to go. Now, one of the things that was really overwhelming to me, and if, honestly, if you're ever going to be doing filming or even podcasts, um, you're going to realize that you get anxious, you get nervous, even though there's no reason to be. You know, this podcast, this is probably, I can say right now, the first podcast I'm doing where I don't feel nervous doing it. I'm just talking. And you guys can honestly probably hear that. Well, when I got over to doing the filming, I had to break out of that. And man, that was hard. I don't know why. Maybe it was just too much in my mind and in my head. But as we went through, I got more and more comfortable until the scene where I pour beer on my face. And then that we only had two takes to be able to do that. And then the and we went right to the final scene after that where I'm carrying a flaming axe and going to throw it at a board that explodes into flames and confetti cannons go off. So we really only had one shot on that one. So not to spoil the surprises for everybody. You know, there's a couple of tastes of the scene, but man, I was nervous throughout that whole process and I had no reason to be. And it's just that whole thing of, you know, being comfortable in your skin type of thing. But the nice thing was, was I had spent the time to structure it early on to make sure that my whole team understood what we were doing, how we were doing it, the props that went to it, the, the lines that went to it, all that stuff, that the clothes we were going to wear. We all worked together to make sure that we had the right thing. Now, when we got the first edit back, we weren't. I, 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 there was two different versions. One was the version of kind of how I had played it out in my head, how it was going to look. And the other was the film company. They added some editing and kind of made it a little bit more unique. Honestly, they were both fantastic. Some of them had great, great attributes and others, and you know, both of them had big issues. So we were able to break them both down and say, we want to change this. We want to move this. And we ended up actually ultimately filming a little bit additional. But the thing that it made me realize was, is that we're a very structured company. It might not seem like it because we're a bunch of guys who are just trying to figure things out and trying to make success with this. But ultimately we all knew exactly what steps we needed to take and how we needed to do it. And everybody works together and they just drop into their role to make it work. Now, this isn't scalable. I can't expect every person that I hire that's just going to pick up their themselves by their bootstraps and hop right into place of where we're at. So we need to start figuring out how we communicate and how we structure going forward with things. And, you know, honestly, guys, there's, there's quite a bit to be determined with that. Um, right now, we're trying to figure that stuff out a little bit more because, actually, as I record this, yesterday we hired our intern for uh, to be working with Kevin on development. Um, <laughs> actually, the funny thing is, is we hired an intern that's an uh, astrophysicist. Um, so he actually doesn't have any qualifications for an embedded systems engineer, which is what we need. But when we interviewed him, we, we understood that he had that value of figuring shit out. And honestly, there's not much more that can be, there's nothing really more valuable than that. It's somebody who has the willingness to learn and willingness to, to dig into it and just figure it out. Um, we, I value that very high in the company. I think all of us do. And we were just excited to have him on a team. We're really excited to get him rolling. Um, but it's changing how we communicate. It's changing our methods of communication. And it makes it a little bit more, even more structured. So as we're bringing more people on the team, we're becoming more and more structured. 
So we we've I'll go back to where we you know we filmed this Kickstarter. Now the idea is is that we wanted to put something that was going to get sent out there and be viral. Now the whole purpose of a crowdfunding a Kickstarter, you know, it usually is to get you up and operational and get you the funds to get you over the hump or get started. But we're fully funded. We closed with the bank uh, two weeks ago, maybe three. Um, and so, I mean, everything's there. Our budgets are falling in line. We're actually ahead of budget in a lot of things. We still haven't got final bids back for everything since architecture. But um, right now, I'm feeling really good about where we're at financially. So the Kickstarter wasn't designed to drive money to us, which was great because it allowed me to focus on driving, engaging interaction and showing people who we really are. So as I went through this and write this screen and the, the, this, the set and the script and the lines and the timing and all these things and getting all these props together, it allowed us to focus on making the highest quality content that we could. Now we also, we realized that just because you have really high quality content doesn't mean that it's going to be distributed out there. So we had a conversation today, my whole team is, you know, we, I got tagged in this video yesterday about a, uh, this guy shoots a bottle rocket into this huge thing of logs that's covered in gasoline. It bursts into flames and he, it had eight and a half million views. I asked the guys, how the hell do you get to that eight and a half million by doing something like that? Because we do shit like that all the time and post videos of that. And I mean, to get a thousand views is probably where our average is. So how does he go to eight and a half million? So we started researching, like, you know, what can we do to be able to make our Kickstarter video spread out? I mean, we don't want to just be to the local people. We, I want this shit in Asia. I want this stuff in Russia. I want it in Australia. I want people to hear about us so that as we grow, they're a part of us growing. Because, again, our whole purpose of our company is to bring joy. And honestly, when you see the Kickstarter video, you're going to laugh your ass off. And it's going to bring you joy. And that's the whole purpose of why we're here. So we had to create this really unique creative content, but we also got to get it in the hands of people who can distribute it and make it something that, you know, make it so that lots of people see it. So our goal is a million views for it. And, you know, it's not unattainable by any means. So all of our content and everything that we're gearing this towards and the people that we're going to try to contact to, distribu to distribute this helps us guide towards that goal, but we're structured for it. We know exactly who we're going to talk to. Everybody had to figure out five people that they're going to reach out to to try to help distribute this. We talked about incentivizing it. You know, share this and, and hashtag be high caliber and enter for a chance to win, you know, uh, unlimited go-karting for a year or a free helmet or something like that. You know, the, really the opportunities are endless. But ultimately, you have to create some type of value for people, whether that's a sense of happiness and joy internally when they, when they watch it or a material possession or even something that, you know, if they share it, it makes them more of a, uh, and you know, somebody who's happening right now because they're sharing the most uh, the raved about video or whatever. You know, each person's motivated by, uh, you know, their, their image or their material possessions or, um, you know, whatever, or, or their sense of happiness. So we're trying to hit all the different avenues of people's emotions and what drives them. So, that that gives me a little bit of a of a coverage on the on the Kickstarter, but I want to I want to transition off of that. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and this is this kind of relates to that whole you know what motivates you, what moves you, and and the person had said, you know, we hired somebody to come into our facility to kind of get some eyes on what we can't see. So they brought somebody in who was blind to come into their facility 
to talk about the touch, the feel, and you know the really the environment. Because if I'm blind, I can't use just the visual uh, cues around me to determine if I have a warm, inviting environment. It's now about the feel and the smell and the just the the, the rest of the environment because their senses are heightened, and they they had came out of it saying that there was it, it for blind people noises are deafening. It, you know, it's overpowering because it overtakes everything. That's everything that they have for their scene. And it got me thinking about the different ways of viewing things. You know, what is it that we're creating in this environment? You know, when we create our restaurant, our bar, we're doing it based off of what we like. And granted, you know, we have people who are consulting us like uh, interior designers and architectural firms and general contractors and things to make sure that we're making the right decisions on things. Um, But there's a lot to be learned. Now, one thing I spend a lot of time doing right now is scoping out our competition. This last weekend, I went to Indianapolis, went to both tracks there, and I went to Kentucky. I went with my wife and my daughter, and I got them to be able to go in and experience it. And you know, thank thank God for my wife because she's the one who organized all this to make sure that you know I have the ability to check out the competition. But I want to ask you, when's the last time you looked at your competition? Now, whether your competition is another business or uh, maybe it's another sales rep, maybe it's you know the service manager while you're a salesperson. Whoever it is, you ha- every, everybody has competition. And we are really quick to criticize what they're doing. It's easy to criticize. You know, that's the whole uh, how to win friends and influence people. It's criticize, uh, condemn, and complain are the easiest things to do, but you should never do them. What you need to do is you need to go to your competition and find out what they're doing right. And that's what we did going this weekend. We went there, and yeah, obviously I saw a ton of stuff that they were doing wrong. And, and I mean, quite honestly, a lot of it really pissed me off because of the demeanor it was giving for the industry that that you know the it wasn't to the expectation of what i of what i expect uh, this industry to provide which really all that did was further affirm that us going after this franchise and it being a requirement that they have to be a part of a franchise to get our infinity combat system it solidified that decision because it tells me that these people have do not have this high level of expectation of themselves but i want you to think about this let's let's say Let's say you're audit, running an automotive company. Okay, this is and that's this is a big component of my background. For any of you that know me or who probably have heard this, it's I spent about a decade in the automotive repair industry. Well, you spend a lot of time when you own your own shop or you work at your own shop, getting your oil change, your car fixed at your location, but you always forget what it's like to be a customer. And guys, there is nothing more valuable than remembering that. When you go somewhere as a customer, you see the experience from a completely different lens. I would challenge you, go look at your competition and get your competition. Go out there and try it with somebody. You know, let's let's say, you know, I'm going to go back to the automotive uh, industry and let's say you're a service writer. Go check out your local oil change shop. Get your oil change done there and see what they do. Do they do something that is done right? Do they do something that you think is absolutely wrong that you completely disagree with? Ask if there. Ask yourself if maybe that's a problem with you, or if maybe there is some good solutions behind that. But I guarantee you, if you go spend thirty-five dollars to go get your oil changed somewhere else, rather than spending the ten dollars of materials it costs you, that twenty-five dollars will be the best investment you ever made. But there's more to that than just if I own a business. What if I'm competing with? You know, let's say I'm a sales rep. My competition in that is another company sales rep. I want to watch how they talk to the the accounts how much product they have going on the shelves. I get to learn this a lot from my wife, the things she looks at for this, because 
that's really going to tell you how are you doing or what other things can you do. If you constantly just do what you think needs to be done, you're never going to hit your highest level. You need to look around at what are other people doing. Now, being aware of your competition is one thing. Don't be scared of them. Don't be constantly following what they're doing. Just be aware of what they're doing. Make plans. Make plans to combat that and make plans to overcome that and be better than them in it. It's something that not a lot of people take a little bit, take the time to be able to do, but it's probably the biggest value you can have. Because if you go, let, let's say you own a company, go visit your competition, be a customer there, and then come to your company and be a customer. Or if you're, if that can't work because everybody knows you, have somebody you trust be a customer. Now go back and take that clear expectations of that script and that storyboard and the the the. Uh, the scenes that I created. Do that with the person you're hiring. Bring them over and say, this is what I want you to look for. I want you to find is, are the windows dirty? Are the people talking to you? How was your experience? And I then when they come to you after they're done with it, you paid for their service for them to get it done for free. They come to you and listen to what they have to say. Don't get defensive. Don't allow it. Everything they say, they're going to tell you, man, I had this terrible experience with this. This guy had an attitude. The phone rang off the hook, whatever. In those situations, you're learning how you can get better. It reminds me, there was a customer I had, God, probably a decade ago now. And he used to just frustrate the shit out of me. Because he would come in, we would give him the best service in the freaking world because we knew he always complained about something. And sure as shit, as soon as he'd leave, he would always have something to complain about. And I, you know, at that time, all of our bonuses were tied to our customer satisfaction scores. So when he complained, I mean, he was taking money out of our pocket and it got old after about a year of this. It's like, you know what? Obviously we can't make this guy happy. He's just looking for something to bitch about. So he came in, I pulled my office and I said, listen, I think you're going to need to take your, your vehicle somewhere else. And I hate to admit that, but I think your expectations, I, I don't know if I can hold up to them because I mean, every time you're here, you always have a bad experience. I mean, we're doing everything we can to give you a good experience and I really want to challenge you to go to my competition and see if you get it any better. And I was, you know, in my head, I was firing this customer and just, I'm moving on. This is ridiculous. You know, it's cost me money. I've put invested as much time into it as I could. And I'm not seeing any, you know, any positive return on my investment. And he looks at me and he says, you're telling me I can't come here because I have too high of an expectation of you, which kind of made me die a little bit on the inside and said, you know, it's just every time, you know, it's, you always have something to complain about. And it's just, it's, it's to the point where when you come in, you're just giving all my guys anxiety and we're doing everything we can to give you the best experience. And I am hundred percent certain to this day that that guy had great experiences. And he said, Jordan, I expect more of you. What I'm doing is I'm trying to give you an idea of what things you can do better. I'm not saying you're doing a bad job. What I'm saying is there's always room for improvement and I expect better than you. And I'll go somewhere else if you want me to, but man, that disappoints me to hear. And I'll tell you that put me in my place real freaking quick because this guy who I was ready to kick out of my store just became my best asset and we became friends after that granted the complaints stopped going through that way he didn't realize how he was impacting us but he still held us to a very high expectation with it and I learned a lot through him in that process but what it was was I was able to swallow my ego and say what more can I learn from this you know there's something to that I was talking with my COO recently and, you know, having the conversation of, 
we've had a lot of great successes and some pretty serious wins lately. And it's fun to celebrate those things. But at the end of the day, it doesn't fucking matter. You know, if this company, if, if, if everybody wanted to say, oh, Jordan created this, I wouldn't want that because I'm not. I have a team of people that are busting their ass to create this company every fucking day. I mean, seven days a week. There is not a day that goes by that I'm not working with one of my employees on something. And for me to take the ownership of that and to take the spotlight, God, guys, you know how many people you have that are working for you that are motivated by that? Lose the, the need for that ego. Lose the need for that affirmation and let them be the star. Now, when you do this, it allows you to release the results a little bit and allow them to own the results. And I'll tell you right now, the best fucking thing you can do for one of your employees is let them own the results from start to finish. Not telling them this is exactly what you have to hit. Have them help you set those goals. Now, granted, if they say, oh, I want to sell $1 today, yeah, fuck you. Hopefully you don't hire that type of person because if the type of person that you hired sets a goal that's so low that you're not going to accept it, you hired the wrong fucking person and that is your fault. You should have you should have people working for you that have a higher expectation of themselves than you could ever have of them. And what I realized was when I stepped back and allowed them to go their own direction and to succeed and come to me when they need me and for me to be there and push myself in front of them to make sure that they're being supported. We moved so much faster. We're just, at this point, I we are light years ahead of our competition in so many aspects of it. We're not even fucking open for business yet. You know, a good example of this was my CTO, Kevin. He was not super excited to sit down and do the one-on-ones with me. Actually, the first week he asked to reschedule, and I, I think ultimately he really didn't want to sit down and talk it through with me because, honestly, guys, I'm a fucking idiot when it comes to software stuff. And But the thing is, is I need to understand it. You know, they say, you know, the, the, the one thing that you're, you refuse to learn will be what takes you down in the world, what takes you down in business or whatever. You have to constantly be trying to learn because if you say, I'm not going to learn this, it's going to end up being an obstacle at some point. You're not going to know what to do with it and it will take you down. So I need to understand the software, but I also need to do it because I need to support Kevin. He's working his ass off on this. And he's doing it by himself. Well, we finally got a chance to do our one-on-one. We sat down and he started explaining stuff to me and everything made so much more sense. And quite honestly, I had come to find out that we're way further ahead on it than I thought we were. Well, Kevin was able to bring up some of the things that were concerns for him, some of the obstacles he had. And between he and I, we were able to come up with solutions on that to really start keeping or to keep us moving forward. Without us doing that one-on-one, I, you know, he may disagree with me, but I honestly feel like we wouldn't have gotten done as much as we did in the last week. And, you know, we're continuing to do that further and further. You know, a lot of what I do is take it away from what we're building from it, making sure that it's not perfect, that it's just, you know, I keep telling them done is better than perfect for the first iteration. We need to get it out there and then find out what changes we need to make, not just constantly be looking to make everything perfect. And for Kevin, I mean, he's so fucking good at what he does. He wants his work to be a reflective of that. And I understand that. So we've got to find a middle ground between the two of us. And while we work together and we communicate with that, it works that way. And I still give him full autonomy that if we sit down and say, this is the direction we need to go. If he disagrees with that, we don't go that direction. We go his direction every time, no matter what. 
that's full autonomy for your team while also keeping them on the path that you want them to go and making sure that everything is going the right way. And guys, this is your fucking job in your life. Your job is to move people in the direction that they need to go in their life. Now, sometimes they might not know what that direction is. They might not have any idea what they want. I had a conversation today of what does your life look like in 10 years? And the person immediately, the, the, the thing he asked me was, well, what do you mean? Financial or family? I said, everything. Tell me the story of you in 10 years. Because whatever he starts to tell me about obviously is his current priority. But once we start having that conversation, we can break it down like, okay, how are you going to get there? What steps does it take? Do you see it happening? How do you see it happening? All those things, that those are questions that not everybody asks themselves. Fuck, I don't ask myself that stuff very often. And when people ask me that, usually it annoys the shit out of me, but really it needs to happen. So I, I know I went on a million different tangents with this. But ultimately, what I'm trying to get at is if you can step away from the spotlight and you can allow a structured environment for your team by just giving them general guidance and holding them to their their expectations and helping them raise their expectations of themselves even further, you're going to find you're moving forward faster than you could have ever have dreamed of moving forward by yourself. So I do want to have uh, uh, give a little bit more update. Um, there were some things recently uh, that I really need to share for anybody who is this, these two are more specific geared towards people who are starting up things themselves. Um, so for, uh, to start things off, I want to talk about, we close with the bank. So our fund, we went through an SBA 7A loan, which is kind of a small business administration. It's a, it's the typical loan. It's the most common small business loan. And if you went back and you've, and you've heard me talk about that stuff, You'll hear, you know, there's a 20% down payment and, you know, there's different banks that will fund for startups and others that won't and, you know, what steps we had to take and writing the business plan and all that stuff. I covered that stuff high level. Well, my expectation was, is after I had that 20% down, that we would go to the bank, we'd close on the loan and they would deposit the funds into an account and we could start spending that money on the projects. Well, I want to tell you right now, that's really fucking wrong. Um... So this is how it works. When you close with a bank, they pull all that 20% down out of your bank account. They freeze all that money. They put it into a fund along with the uh, the line of credit that you got. Um, and you have to submit draw requests to them. So let's say I spend $13 on a piece of computer equipment. I need to fill out a form and submit that form saying, I need to be reimbursed $13 for this equipment. Now, I, that's, I know that seems crazy. You know, we're, when you're talking $2.2 million, how many $13 purchases do you have? You have a metric ass load of them and you bury yourself in paperwork. Now, what you do is you put it on a credit card and you take the, you know, a monthly sheet and you submit the statement and everything. And then they just pay the card direct. And, you know, for me, that's a $10,000 credit card. So that, you know, that gets us through for the small stuff. But you can also do an immediate draw. Like, you know, our go-karts are about a third of a million dollars. So, I get an invoice for that. I send it to the bank and they wire the money directly to them. So, you know, there's, it's, it's not as difficult as it sounds, but the thing that really hurt, and I, I told my guys, this is, I find it funny. The day that we closed with the bank and uh, they gave us the $1.8 million to start moving forward, we overdrafted our account. <laughs> just laughed. Like we just got a loan for $1.8 million and then we overdraft in the same day. I wonder what that looks like to this bank. But what it was, was they pulled all those funds out of that account. And I had a bunch of checks that were out there that, you know, there was quarter million dollars in that account. So I had a bunch of checks that were out there. We had our payroll out there. And 
I had to, luckily, I had just sold uh, my other car, my Impala, so I took all the money from that and stuck it into the business to take care of those things. And, uh, I mean, honestly, thank God that that happened at that time frame because, I mean, that was the last dollars that I had, if anything. You know, we, my, my family and I, we sold everything. We let, we refinanced everything. We even cashed out our 401ks, our retirement savings. The only thing we kept was my daughter, daughter's college savings plan. So, I mean, that, there wasn't extra money there. So when that account got overdrafted, it was a real quick, all right, I got to figure out how this draw request works. So what I, the advice I would give you is if you are going to be doing an SBA 7A loan, have more than 20% down in your check in your account before you close with the bank. Maybe go with like 20%, 25% down so that you have a buffer that you can spend some of that money so you're not just dying to do a draw request every time. Because honestly, right now, up until this week, Every Friday, I wake up and I have a low balance alert from Huntington telling me our account is in negative because we wrote payroll and I got to go to the bank and say, need this draw request process today so that they can resubmit that those funds. Now we have some money coming in. We did an auction and got rid of a bunch of the materials inside the facility and um, we've got some pre-sales that are starting to go. So we have some revenue coming in and you know this is the first week that I didn't have to suddenly get make sure that we get that draw request put in because we, we had enough money to cover yet cover everything outside of doing the draw request um but that was pretty stressful constantly having that account at basically nothing makes it pretty hard to do business but i will tell you it is also making me be a whole lot more in control of my budget i'm not as likely to just you know take the team out to dinner or whatever you know there's we still do things that keeps us engaged and keeps us interactive with it but we all understand that we're operating on a very strict budget and we have to justify everything we spend probably the best fucking thing we could do for ourselves right now is to have this though so i'm thankful that this that this is how it works it's paying my ass but it's teaching me things it's making sure i'm doing things right so again if you're doing an SBA loan make sure you have a little bit extra money in the bank because it's all going to disappear once you close, and you're going to have to get the approval from them to be able to get it out. So the other thing I want to talk about was we submitted our restaurant application. Now, when I was going through and doing the uh, the bids and things from the architecture, I, I kind of just had in my head that permits were all covered under the general contractor because literally they're all permits. Well, what I didn't realize is that with restaurant, there is a whole lot more to that. I mean, a metric fuckload of of paperwork that you fill out for that um if i remember correctly it's a 150 page application process well i set a goal to do it in one day which i don't know if that's the right thing to do but it worked um i sat down and i just started getting to work now they're, they're also they're going to be looking for um you know architectural plans and you know kitchen equipment lists and uh food menu and so that night, Connor and I worked our asses off, and at 11.57 at night, we had the food menu done, and we were able to submit our restaurant application at night. And that was our goal for that day was to do it all, which, I mean, Jesus, it, was, it felt fucking great to just bust ass and get that done. Well, you know, there's a couple mistakes here and there about, like, sizing the water heaters and whatnot, but, you know, overall, it's been pretty flawless. Well, that application process, you're going to go through, and you're going to find out how often does your vendor going to supply you with product? So how many meals a day do you serve? What's your water consumption capacity? What are the rules for hand washing sinks, dishwashing sinks? What's the temperature rise at 100, 100 degree temperature rise? And what's your gallons per hour of your flow rates need to be? And uh, how are the edges of your fixtures going to be suspended and your drains connected with air gaps or direct connections? I mean, there is so much 
to learn from this. I would highly advise you, if you're going to have a restaurant as a component of this, or if you're going to be a franchise of high-caliber card, and you're damn well going to have one, you need to do this application yourself. This is going to teach you a lot about how the operations are going to work and making sure that you're doing things right and honestly making sure that you're not getting people sick. And, you know, It was pretty interesting as I went through this application. It was really easy to see how many people don't abide by the rules to it. Great example, and I'll, I'll just give this. To, this will probably be something humorous for most people that are listening. You know those automatic sinks you walk up to, you put your hands in front, they never seem to work, but they flow water for like two seconds. Well, the restaurant application for the town shop wherein they're required to flow for 15 seconds uninterrupted. Never had one in my entire life that does that. But, you know, it's examples like that. But those are things that you're going to learn as you go through the process. Well, another part of that is that your team needs to be certified in something. We, we used what was called ServeSafe. There's a couple different things like TAMS uh, is another thing for uh, food certification. They, they We did our liquor, uh, or our liquor um, training, uh, serving training uh, through TAMS, uh, but we didn't really have a good feedback from them. They weren't answering our questions fast enough for the uh, food service side of it, so we went through ServeSafe, which is really more commonly known in that industry anyways. Um, but I had my guys go through that because what we would learn by being certified through that is it would allow us to structure ourselves to be better informed of making and specking out a kitchen and our standard operating procedures of how we handle food, making sure that we're doing it the way that we're supposed to. And that's the high standards of excellence that you need to have for yourself if you're going to be competitive in any atmosphere. Now, I know those two things I talked about are really geared towards people who are starting their own business, but Honestly, this is the same thing. If you're if you are working for somebody or you're trying to compete against somebody, let's say you know physical, uh, like a, a physical program or like um, let's say a CrossFit competition, any of those things, you need to be well versed in things that your competition isn't willing to be versed in. You know, everybody has the same access to uh, to um, different resources for in, in intelligence or information. Um, you know, example, everybody has the ability to Google, everybody has the ability to go to YouTube. And honestly, there's not much that you that you can't do in this world by just going to those two resources. But the thing is, is people don't go there. They don't look for the the forum or the, you know, looking for who's the most uh, informed person in this, you know, in, um, let's say, indoor hydroponics or something, you know, who, where, where can I get the best information and constantly looking and questioning the the value of the resources. People don't do that. If you do that, man, that is going to set you apart. It's just another thing of checking what is your competition doing and what can you do better. So anyways, guys, I know that was a, there was a lot I threw at you with this one. And I, I, I hopefully you got something out of this. And I'm realizing as I'm going through this, I need to be doing this a whole lot more often. We do have a next podcast coming up. I actually have a guest. I'm bringing my, uh, one of my close friends, Tony Grace, uh, he took over a company, uh, a family-owned company, third generation, um, and we're going to talk about the differences between starting from scratch and having to change the culture of something you go into. Um, so that's going to be applied to anybody who is starting a business, buying a business, somebody who is going into a new job, um, or somebody who is starting something, uh, you know, starting something new with people that have already been in this process for you know a little bit of time. Maybe you know, like this Infinity Combat system that there's nothing like it that's out there. Um, so I'm looking forward to that, guys. Hopefully you got something out of this. Again, please share it. Spread the word. Get this out there. I'm really hopeful I'm generating some good value for you. From what I've heard, we have. Um, 
But the only way that we're going to grow this and get this word out is if you're sharing this with people that can can help, uh, it can help them along with their lives. So get it out there, share it, spread it, spread the word. You guys have an awesome day. Go kick some ass. Make today fantastic. See ya.